0: Welcome to Hey YA! From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a Book Riot podcast hosted by Erica Azafetti and me, Tirza Price. We are recording on August eleventh, twenty
1: twenty-two. Hello, Erica. Hello, Tirza. How are you? I am great. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. I haven't completely melted into the earth's crust. (laughs) Only partially melted, you know. But I'm, you know. That's important. It is. I try not to melt completely. Here we are. Yes. Here we are.
0: Yes. (laughs) I'm so pumped for fall. I feel like by the time people yes. are listening to this it will be halfway through august which yes. part of me is like no 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 i need more yeah. time but uh, the other part of me is just like bring Come on fall, the pumpkin spice yeah
1: pumpkin spice like i'm already plotting my next like fall manicure because i'm doing that these days i don't know yes uh burgundy maybe some burgundy mm-hmm. some dark colors the fall releases Ooh. Fall book releases.
0: I can't wait to wear my sweaters again. I miss my sweaters. So yes, all of the good things.
1: (laughs) And I can't wait. To be for it to not be ninety degrees. <laughs> Most importantly, amen. <laughs> yes, amen to all of that. Ah. Yeah,
0: I need like a break from the humidity. I live in Iowa, mm-hmm. so like there's a lot of corn here, and it's funny because like <laughs> I feel like Midwesterners have this very like we have this very rote conversation about heat and humidity. And mm-hmm. having always lived in the Midwest, I'm I'm very attuned to this conversation. Um, <laughs> but then I moved to Iowa, and there was like another element to this conversation, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, it's so humid. And you're like, oh yeah, you know, wouldn't be so bad if you know it wasn't, you know, eighty nine percent humidity or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then people in Iowa were like, yeah, you know, it's because of the corn, right? And I was like, <laughs> what? What? And they're like, yeah, because we grow so much corn in Iowa, that's why it's what? so humid.
1: And I was like, okay, what? Is, I'll go with that. Is us. that true? I, I is mean- it like convection due to corn? Is that science? Is that physics? I have not taken the time to actually look it up.
0: Okay. I feel like it could be right or it could be wrong. And I would not be surprised either way. Yeah. When I did move to Iowa, because like my, I am afraid of tornadoes. I think we've talked Mm. about this before. When I moved Uh to Iowa, I was like, my one concern is like tornadoes. So I was like, we have to live in a house with a basement. Yeah. And people thought I was insane. They were Mm. like, the tornado's not going to get you. And I was like you don't know
1: that? You don't know that. Yeah. And
0: then I like live next to a lake and they're like, "Well, we don't get tornadoes in our town because of the lake." Like the lake just like deters tornadoes and I look it up and that is wrong. Like that is not true. Like a tornado will totally hit you even if you live next to a lake. So I, my faith in like anecdotal weather observations from fellow Iowans is is not super strong, but
1: yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. (laughs) I mean, water, I mean, tsunamis are like water tornadoes or hurricanes are like. Kind of, I think. Don't quote yeah, me. Anecdotal. Right. But I'm like, the, the tornadoes don't care about bodies of water. So, yeah. Because of the corn. Okay. Because of the corn. I know. That is so, so funny. So many people have said that to
0: me in the last two weeks. And every because time I'm just corn. like, yeah. And I always make a mental note, like, look that up. And then I haven't yet.
1: I'm going to look that up. Yes. I wonder if Children of the Corn was written by an Iowan.
0: That just you know, came to my mind. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. The we corn, do have a right. lot of corn here, though. So... <laughs> Anywho,
1: (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) all right. Um, Oh my gosh. There's a video I have to share with you. I'm sorry, because we're talking about corn. It's this little kid who's eating corn. It's like on TikTok. And he's like, oh, he's being interviewed. And he's like, oh, um, the guy's like, oh, when did you learn that you love corn so much? He was like, once I discovered corn was real. I loved it. And and at one point, he's like, have a corn-tastic day. He's super funny. And his (laughs) his grandmother is like right next to him. And she's like dying. I'm going to send that to you. It's Please do. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I I have to mention this right now. It's perfect. Thank anyway, you. all right. So we have some great news. <laughs> no, we have sad news. Oh no, actually, yeah, we have a, 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 I should say, an interesting news item that sucks, but yes.
0: Yeah. So first kill, which was a Netflix show, that was based off of a short story written by Ve Schwab, sometimes publishes as Victoria Schwab. It has been canceled at
1: Netflix,
0: Uh. which is sad because, okay, I admit I have not watched it yet. And so, like, anybody listening to this can be like, well, you're the reason why, like, Netflix canceled because you didn't watch the gay, you know, vampire teen story right away. Which, okay, yes. But I also feel like this is a pattern with Netflix. Like, they've greenlit so many things and so much stuff comes out and then, like... Because, like, this came out not very long after the second part of Stranger Things, and, like, they promote the heck out of certain shows, but then, like, I didn't even realize that First Kill was out until I heard that it had been canceled already, and it was out almost a whole, like, two months before they were just, like... Oh, actually, we're not going to renew this.
1: Netflix does not have a good, like, I don't know what to call it because I'm not in, like, you know, this realm of entertainment, but they have an established pattern of getting shows, canceling them after one or two seasons. And, like, I always see fans, shows that I haven't even necessarily been interested in. Fans being like, why? (laughs) Like, Netflix, like, why?
0: Yeah, what I think is interesting, too, is, like, they will drop all the episodes of an entire show. Yeah. And not really promote them as much as they will their big stuff. And then, like, not even two months later, be like, well, not enough people watched it in the first two months. And yeah. then cancel. And it's yeah. like, you're not – I mean, it's hard. I don't – I'm not a TV expert, so I don't know about the business models and the funding and the just complex decisions that go behind all of this. But it's frustrating just because I'm, like – there should be. I, I don't know. I just feel like they, you know, you're not even giving something a chance before you're deciding to cancel it. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah,
1: that's what that's people's many people's complaint about Netflix. And it's like, it could have been like their survival up until this point it was because they started off as a streaming service, and we've been moving more towards streaming. But the mm-hmm. thing is, the other girls, HBO, Hulu, all of them, they're like catching up, and I. I've heard bits and pieces. Again, I'm not, I'm also not a TV expert, but I've heard like, I think some movies and shows and stuff Netflix had, they're kind of being taken back by their original, I don't know, producers. Like there's Disney Plus. Disney Plus is trying to make waves. So it's like that monopoly that Netflix has had on streaming for a while. Like there's even, you know, Netflix and chill. Like it's, like the idea that it is the streaming service that's starting to disintegrate. And mm. I feel like if they don't change their business model, I mean, I think a couple of months ago, I heard that they had lost a lot of um, subscribers part that's partially because yeah. of inflation, but also because. They don't handle their series well. And First Kill fell victim, I think, to their series management. I also did not watch it, but I haven't been watching a lot of things. So that's no shade to First Kill. I actually do want to watch it. I just have not. I have not. I've hardly opened Netflix the past few months. Yeah. No,
0: I hear you. And I, I will watch it because I have to say that, like, having a teen vampire show starring lesbians, like, that is such a... Like, I can't believe that we like, get that on Netflix, so I'm I'm pleased that it made it that far. I'm really sad that they're not gonna continue to invest in it. Um, I saw a meme somewhere, it was probably, like, one of the many, like, queer lady um, Instagram accounts that I follow, and the meme was just basically, like, pick between a show with like really great lesbian characters who are forever off on the side and only show up in like every third episode or pick between like really great lesbian main characters, but the show gets canceled after a season. And I was like, those do feel like our options these days. Those are the options.
1: Are you serious? Yeah. Trash. I know. (sighs) But anyhow. But, Anywho, as you said, we have some great books to talk about that we got recommended from, net, uh, from Netflix. <laughs> from TikTok, not from Netflix. Ooh. Uh, before we do, we're going to hear from our sponsor real quick. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy I. Lynn. Shuei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shuei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shuei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year, and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increasingly more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke and who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy I. Lynn for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Amazon Publishing. So I got a story with a little Old West debauchery, if you want to get a little messy. So there is a city steeped in the Old West mess. And in the city, a reporter is following every lead to a dangerous place, one that could bring him glory and fame or end his life. New York Times bestselling author Robert Dugoni is back with a gripping new thriller of corruption, vice, and murder set in Depression-era Seattle. It's about a reporter covering a hot murder trial who soon learns nothing is what it seems. The story could make his career if he lives to write about it. You can learn more at amazon.com/slash A Killing on the Hill. So yes, A Killing on the Hill by Robert Dugoni is what you need to pick up if you are into some depression era danger in Seattle. It's a city of big dreams and dark ambitions. And this reporter gets caught up in the muck. So make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Amazon Publishing for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so... Now we're getting into books that we got recommended from TikTok and not from Netflix. Okay. <laughs> I like this idea that
0: you came up with because I am so not on TikTok. I was like, okay, you're going to make me open up this app.
1: And yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's a good thing.
1: I'm not either. And I should be. The reason I avoid, I don't know if this is the same for you, but the reason I avoid TikTok is because I, I am prone to distraction and I know it's going to like take me through a, a portal where I and I get out on the other side and many hours will have elapsed. So
0: yes. I I <laughs> mean I do have TikTok. I have an yeah. account that I mostly use just to watch videos. I made like a half-hearted stab at actually doing TikTok videos. And then I was like, this is a lot of work and mm. I don't have the time. So I don't really make content unless I have to. For my publisher. Because sometimes they're like. How would you make a TikTok video? And I'm like. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's hard.
0: It's hard. And I'm lucky. Like I'm grateful that they don't like. Expect that from me. But like. I. It's just. That's not my areas. Of expertise. And I don't care at this point in time to invest the time to become good at it so I just don't but like yeah I will be scrolling through videos and then like two hours will pass and I'll be like that's what I'm saying this is why TikTok is so popular it's so addicting and I have to stay away from it
1: (laughs) yeah that's why I'm like I have no problem with TikTok. There's just there's just so many things you could look at. It's like yeah. I better just not open it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I do watch TikTok videos lest you think that like I'm an old person who's like, oh, kids these days, TikTok like nothing shows my age better than the fact that like I will watch YouTube compilations of popular TikTok videos oh, so TikTok, I at least yes. know what's like popular and what's funny yes. and obviously I'm on Instagram a lot so like I, it does kind of trickle over not immediately yeah. but it does trickle over so I'm not completely out of the loop but yeah I, it's not such a space that I regularly engage in which is why I find it really fascinating to see like the book talk side of
1: things. The book talk Is so interesting, and it's like I know you made a note on this, but how? I totally did not see book talk becoming such a force within the book world.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like you know TikTok really took off at the start of the pandemic, which makes sense. You know, just thinking about where we were at as a society and everybody in lockdown. But then, like, it's it's funny because at first, so. For context, I, you know, my YA debut happened in spring of 2021. So all of 2020, I was like watching as like publishing was freaking out and scrambling. And I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to have a book out in a year and then like less than a year. Like, how is this going to affect me? Mm. Just like, you know, from a purely business standpoint as well, like I was paying attention. And then I was also paying attention to like, okay, everybody's on TikTok. And... That was, again, like at that time, not a space that I was really invested in and in waiting inside of. And like, I tried a little bit because that was, you know, pre-debut, but I was just like, yeah, this is not for me. And that's totally fine. I think you can like acknowledge that. But I thought it was interesting how people were like, oh, TikTok's a fad. Like as soon as we are out of lockdown, yeah. like it will go away. And I was like, you realize how many like billions of subscribers or accounts or, or there are? Like, it's not just going to go away. And so people like acted really shocked that TikTok was selling books. But like social media has always sold books. And I yeah. would like, I will argue with anybody who says that social media doesn't sell books. Right. But it's a matter of like, how does social media sell books? And like, how does it harness sales or actionable sales? Because, you know, it's hard to track. But like, what was so interesting about TikTok was it was so wildly popular and the massive amounts of readers would like latch on to specific titles yeah and then, so you actually saw those direct sales um rather than being like oh I, my twitter sold like 300 copies it's like well tiktok's just sold like three hundred thousand copies and that was really interesting and i think shocking for people i guess i don't know i wasn't super shocked by it i was just kind of like of course but it's what i find most interesting is a lot of the books that are most popular on TikTok are backlist titles, not new yeah. titles. And not just, like, backlist titles, but deep backlist titles. So that, that was, like, my kind of interesting observation of, like, what's popular on TikTok.
1: Why do you think that those are the ones that are, like, super popular, like the deep backlist?
0: Well, I'm just spitballing here, so I could be completely yeah. wrong. But I do yeah. think it's probably, like... These books already did have a built in audience because they've been around for mm-hmm. a while. And whether that audience is just like grown or, or whatever, but like now there's a new platform that like millions of people are flocking to and like that sort of established audience is also going to. And I think especially in the beginning when like book talk was newer, like, I don't know, I think maybe your voice was just like amplified a little bit more. So I
1: see. Yeah. Before there were as many people.
0: Yeah. So like books, like we were liars, which, you know, has been out for a while Mm -hmm. and that book came out you know, like, I think it was, like, 2013,
1: 2014.
0: Mm -hmm. And that one has taken off. Like, it it launched back on the New York Times bestseller list, like, years after release. And I think that's so interesting. But I think it's because, like, you know, that was already a popular book. Like, it just wasn't, like wildly TikTok popular. I remember reading that book when it first came out um, in 2014. And I think we've talked about this before. You have not read it, correct? No, I haven't read it. Yeah. So I remember when it came out or before it came out because everybody was like, oh my gosh, we were liars. It has twists. It has a really big twist. And the publisher was telling everybody, don't, don't spoil the twist. Like the joy in reading this book is everybody gets to read it (laughs) for themselves. So that was like very smart marketing. Um, And this was, of course, not very long after, like, the Gone Girl mania. And and Gone Girl, everybody was marketing that book by being like, it has a wild twist you'll never see coming. Yeah, I remember Um, that. So they kind of replicated that with We Were Liars. I think the issue with that sort of marketing campaign is you can't do it too often without people like just getting burned on that. Um, But it really worked with We Were Liars because I remember reading, it was either an advanced copy or like I read it like the second it came out. And I enjoyed it. But I will say I, because everybody was hyped up the twist, I was extra vigilant and I figured it out on like page 40.
1: So you're also tears, though. So there's (laughs) that. Like, you write mystery books, so.
0: I mean, but I don't know. In 2014, I don't know if I was, like, that astute. But still, I was like, okay, I figured it out. But, like, I think, so, like, that book was already popular. And then TikTok comes along and offers, like, another platform, to like make books that people already loved even more popular so like that one makes sense to me i feel like they both die at the end by adam silvera was also one of like those but then you see like newer books like the inheritance games which Mm. we both are going to talk about and that you know that's a newer book and that took off so i'm not saying it has to be older books but i do just think it's interesting that like older books are kind of getting this second life on tiktok
1: I wonder my, my take on that. I think you're right. I think they already have the built-in audience. It's kind of like when movie producers and stuff like that, studios, they adapt books that already have a built-in audience because they're like, okay, well, these people are going to come see the movie. So let's make the movie. We'll make money, whatever. Yeah. I also wonder too, if it's like why like backlist, deep backlist books are super popular on TikTok is because of people making the TikTok videos, it's like those books are nostalgic for them maybe. So like they mm-hmm. already like them. And so like you said, when TikTok was fresher, when it was newer, and there were fewer people making videos, like those voices were amplified more. And I think something about these books, they're very, um, how should I say? They work well with like aesthetics, I guess. Yes. And that like such a big part of TikTok is a video platform, like short video platform. So... Books that have certain aesthetics that are like just very, I guess, pleasant to look at or like trendy, like dark academia and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Things that lend themselves to that are going to be more popular, I think. Books that lend themselves to that, I think. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. And I did think, I wasn't sure that TikTok would last only because it reminded me of Snapchat and Snapchat came and went.
0: Yeah. That's so funny. I'm so active on Snapchat amongst, like, my five friends.
1: <laughs> oh, you are? No shade to Snapchat. I just, it's still, it's still. <laughs> no shade to Snapchat. No yeah, shade.
0: it's, but it's, I, I know what you're saying. Like, it was super, it was super popular. And now it's yeah. like, oh, you have Snapchat. Ed. But I, I, I don't see Snapchat as, like, a social media platform. Mm. I see it more as, like. The five friends that I I talk with all the time, they're, like, my cousins and my spouse and, like, three of my closest friends. Yeah. Like, it's not a public thing for me, you know? So, like, don't don't friend me on Snapchat. I will not friend you back. Like, I I only snap, (laughs) like, six people. Um, And I have a streak going on with my partner that's, like, going on 200 days now. And we generally – like, we genuinely get angry at each other if one of us breaks the streak. So – You know, I'm invested, but, like, definitely showing my (laughs) millennial age
1: here. (laughs) I love that. Oh, my God. Now you're bringing me back because I remember my friend used to send me doggy pictures. And I would always um, screenshot them (laughs) because they were really cute. It was like a Pomeranian mix. (laughs) Um, And he was very sassy and funny. But, yes. So, no shade to the Snapchatters. No shade to the Snap. But, yes. So... Should we talk about the Inheritance Games first, since we both are into it? Yes.
0: Okay. We are going to give the caveat that we've not finished it, but we're both, like, super into it in the middle of it.
1: Super into it. Yes.
0: Yeah. And I think... I mean, I don't know about you, when we decided on this show episode I was like perfect I'm finally going to read the inheritance games because yeah. that was like one of the few books that like I know is super popular on TikTok and I actually had copies of the first and the second book because the publicist sent them to me and I I mean, I don't always hold on to every book that publicists send me, but like that one was like outside of the TikTok fame. I read it and I was like, I will probably read this because it sounds like it would be up my alley. Yeah. Um, So I was finally like, yes, I'm going to read this. And yeah, there's, I mean, I see why it's so popular. I think it's fun. Yes.
1: Yes. It's, it checks so many of those, like, like I was saying, those like aesthetic Boxes, because you've got the you've got the like alluring, like attractive male love interests for people who are into male love interests. <laughs> you have like the puzzle, the mystery. There's some academic stuff. Someone died. Lots, lots of wealth. Lots of wealth. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we we should probably give like a a little synopsis. Yes. So Avery is a teenage girl. She is in high school and she is kind of like basically like struggling a little bit. Like her mother died um, not too long ago and she's been living with her half sister, older half sister Libby. And she has to balance going to school and getting good grades with work and stuff like that and also Libby is in an abusive relationship so sometimes Avery will be like all right you want this guy so i'm going to go sleep in my car mm-hmm. and the first few pages of the book Avery's explaining how like she has to like prioritize things she has to balance things like so if she can get a, a low a On a test, she'll pick up an extra shift and that'll be worth it. So these are the types of things that she thinks about. She's very
0: smart, very analytical. She knows chess really well. So she wants to be
1: an actuary, which is like super duper math heavy thing. I
0: love that there's a teenager who knows what an actuary is and wants to be one.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I actually have a friend who's an actuary that like I met in college and I was like, what is that? And he was like, Oh, it's this. Um, I was like, what there are those tests are mad, super hard. Like most of them, like the little, Standardization test—they have most of them fail the first few times, or whatever. Anyway, so it's super hard, very analytical, very math-heavy. So she gets called into the principal's office because they think they think she cheated on a physics test that she studied for. So it's just like that. Just sets the scene. Like her life is hard, right? She's like struggling. She's trying to make it. She has a plan to get out of the situation, and she is just you know trying to make it basically. And she one day she gets called into the principal's office. And there's this, like, super well-dressed, like, steely-eyed guy in there who's, like, kind of bossing the principal around. And he's, like, not too much older than her. She's like, who is this guy? And it turns out he is Grayson Hawthorne, the descendant of this, like, hugely wealthy Texas... I don't even know. Hawthorne had his hand in different. The grandfather had his hand in different. Basically indifferent. a Texan billionaire. Yeah. He has <laughs> like fees worth like 40, 40 over $40 billion or whatever. So he's Grayson's like, we've been trying to request you. You are listed in my grandfather's will. My grandfather passed away. We need you present in order to read the will. And she's like, who are you? I've never heard of your grandfather. I don't know who you are. We're in Connecticut. Y'all are in Texas. What are you talking about? But before before we continue with the summary, let's hear real quick from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Tor Books. So if you are a fan of epic fantasy, if you're a fan of Scott Lynch and or Joe Abercrombie, but you want something a little different, you want a hero who's like a bit of a mess then the silver blood promise by James Logan is for you in it, academy dropout slash disgraced noble heir Lacan Gordova's life is in shambles all he's got going for him is one he is a card sharp of considerable skill and two a lot of maybe potentially a little too much wine so they're you know those are the positives so when the bizarre murder of his father robs him of even the off chance of redemption, Lacan decides to make amends another way. He's going to unravel the mystery behind the killing, even if it takes him to the underbelly of Saffrona, a city of danger, secrets, and merchant princes. Finding the truth is one thing. Finding the truth and staying alive is like a whole other thing. So make sure to check out The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan on sale May 7th. And thanks again to Tor Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Steve Aoki's Hero Quest at your local bookstore or online at heroquest.com. And catch Steve live on the Heavenly Hell Tour. Hero Quest is the graphic novel that is the story of a genetically augmented metahuman named Hero who travels into the multiverse 400 years into the future to save Earth from a disaster it cannot avoid. It has everything from mutants to robots to zombies to aliens witches and more it's a quest for 10 rings of tremendous power from 10 different worlds that will be needed to save our world from certain disaster it's an epic journey that will require the hero named hero to be cursed to save the lives of billions on earth it's a story of heroism wonder betrayal and finally revelation this is the hero's journey this is hero's quest so the story was imagined by the mind of Steve Aoki and written by New York Times bestselling author Jim Kruger and Steve Aoki. So make sure to check it out. And this episode comes thanks again to Steve Aoki's Herder Quest at your local bookstore or online at HeroQuest.com and catch Steve live on the Heavenly Hell Tour. Okay. So she's like, what is going on? Um, her and her sister, her sister her, was getting the letter. She thought it was a joke, a scam, whatever. And so they basically follow along. They go to Texas. They find out it's not a joke. And as soon as they get there, they kind of are, they start noticing like these certain like puzzles and things. Um, she has a very analytical mind, like you said, Teresa. So she starts putting certain things together. The only condition though, for her to get... I'm skipping ahead. Sorry. So she goes to the reading of the will and basically grandfather Hawthorne like kind of disowned all of his family. Like he gave them like a few hundred thousand dollars as part of his will, but Compared to the money he had, the vast wealth he had, it was like a pittance basically. And he left her the rest of everything and everyone turns around and is like shooting daggers at her. And she's like, I have no idea what's going on. The only condition is that she has to live at the Hawthorne house, which is like basically, I don't know, a complex. It's not even, doesn't even count as a house at this point. She has to live there for a year. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you have, do you have anything you want to add to that? Jesus? No. I think that's a really good place to leave it. So basically, yeah. If
0: she wants to inherit billions, just live in this house for a year with the four Hawthorne grandsons who are around her age. Mm-hmm. She has no idea why she was left these billions of dollars. The only note she gets from Grandfather Hawthorne is, Dear Avery, I'm sorry. Like, and that is yes. it. So everyone is, like, making these wild speculations about, like, why would he leave money to you? Are you, like, a secret, you know, kid or something like that? And and she doesn't know because her mom is dead. And she has no idea what the connection is. But over the course of this year of living in this house, she's got to unravel all these clues and, and figure out um, what is going on. I think – like, one of the reasons why this book is probably so easy to inhale is the chapters are super short. Like yes. Like, two to three, maybe five pages at the most. And so it's easy to be like, just one more chapter. Avery's kind of a smart mouth, but, like, not in an obnoxious way. She's just, yes. you know, she's a street smart kid. Um, the the four Hawthorne grandsons are intriguing. They mm-hmm. each have their own personalities and their own secrets um so yeah it's a very easy to read book with like lots of interesting family drama and of course like billions of dollars at stake so there's like that air of i think kind of like escapism like what what would you do if you inherited that much money it's kind of like wish fulfillment so i i see why this book is so popular and why it's like traveling like wildfire across tiktok
1: I and I have to say good on you TikTok. I'm into it. I'm super into it. And yeah. I think it works for all those reasons you said. That short chapters is very clever. It is. Because it is it cuz it's like, well, if a book has 350 pages, it has 350 pages, but it changes when you divvy up those pages by like like you said 2 to 5 pages per chapter like. So the the book has like 91 chapters, but it's also like you can pop them like candy, kind of. Yeah. And I like to... I had a concern when I learned that Hawthorne was Texan. I was like, oh, he's rich and he's in Texas. I'm like, oh, God, it's about to be like... Did he get his money from slavery or something? So I was like, oh, God, do I have to read this? And I found out that he didn't. This is explained early on. So it's not much of a spoiler. That's good. That's, yeah. a, good, that's a good little detail to give out. Yeah. And I like that there are... Like, you, it's, like, mostly a white family in Texas, but there's some little diversity there. I'll yeah. let you find out what that is. And that character is super fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> he's so cute. He's, like, a little bouncy puppy to me. So, he's fun to read about. Um, yes, I am super interested in finding out what happens. I will say, I didn't, um, the cover kind of, like, I don't know. When I see the cover, it kind of made me think, it reminded me of, like, like, the science fiction and fantasy books from, like, back in the day, and I was kind of like, hmm.
0: I totally thought that this was a fantasy novel until about a year ago. Yep. And then I started paying attention with how popular it was, and I was like, oh, it's a mystery? Like, I just based off the covers alone, I would have thought fantasy.
1: Yeah. And, like, the kind of fantasy, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like the cover doesn't match that match it in that way but yeah. yes i'm super excited to finish it yeah
0: me too and i'm like one now that i'm in the middle of it and i'm really enjoying it i'm super glad that i have books two and three on my shelf thank you very much to the little brown publicist who sent them on to me it's hard it took me so long to jump on the bandwagon i am here now and i'm loving
1: it oh there's a third one. Oh my gosh it's coming out this month so even like um on target like it's sold out in tar- my local Target. Yeah. So, and they have a little thing where it's like, "Oh, The Inheritance Games goes here," but there are no there are no, there copies.
0: Are no copies. Yeah, it's yeah, so good. Okay,
1: so all right, TikTok wins. TikTok wins on this one for sure. Yes. Okay.
0: So that's the, those, that, that's the book that we both read. I will yeah. admit to... You, I kind of took this as an opportunity to be like, okay, read the books that you've been meaning to read that TikTok really loves. So like this was a perfect excuse to pick them up. We talked about this before, but I picked up They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. And I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast about how wildly popular this book is and mm-hmm. how you know I see it everywhere and even in my local Walmart. So I picked it up finally... And I started reading it, this book came out in 2017, so it's, you know, been out for, like, five years. And I started reading it, and I know all that it's about. I mean, they both die at the end. It says it in the title. But I got to the – like, I don't know. I I read the first few chapters, and I'm like, this is such good writing. Mm. And I really am intrigued by the characters. So the premise is basically, like, in a world a lot like ours – You get a call on the day that you're going to die unexpectedly. And they just, you know, it's called death cast. And they say, hey, you're going to die today. They won't tell you how. They don't tell you when exactly, but just it's going to happen in the next 24 hours. So basically live life to your fullest. And so it's about these two teenage boys who both get a call and then they end up meeting for their final day. And I was sitting there like... I'm starting to feel emotions and I don't want to feel Mm. these emotions right now. I mean – I think that's probably why this book is so popular because it is very emotional and it's one of those books where I'm like, if I keep reading this, I'm going to ugly cry at the end. And I just know that. And part of me is like, I don't want to be emotionally manipulated today. And then the other part (laughs) of me is just like, if I'm in the right mood, I could totally like just dive into this book and probably rip right through it. So I did set it aside just because like I wasn't really feeling like I wanted to be emotionally wrecked at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. But it's not because the book was bad. And and it was good that I got that far because I was like, I, now I understand why this book is so popular. Um, So yeah, I don't know if I'll go back to it. I really do think I'm going to have to be in the right mood to go back to it. But good on Adam Silvera for, you know, taking, I mean, I think what he does pretty well in his writing is he takes these like big questions of like, what would you mm-hmm. do if you only had 24 hours to live?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then he like makes it into a really engaging and interesting book. Mm-hmm. And like with a premise that's pretty relatable. Um, or maybe maybe that the premise isn't relatable, but the world is relatable because it's a lot like ours with like one big difference. And I yeah. just thought that was really intriguing. So there are aspects of the book that I thought were really funny because like of course if this service really did exist in life, there would be apps around like, oh, is this your last day? And there would be trolls who'd be like, hey, are you selling a couch? And there would be like emotional stories about people trying to rehome their golden retrievers on their last day of life. And I was like, I can't do this. It's too emotional. I have to go hug my golden retriever. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even think about
1: that. Yeah. See,
0: this is why I was like, "I, I could probably read this book, but not today.
1: Yeah. And I think, too, like I often see like things on TikTok or other social media platforms or book lists, whatever, where people are like, oh, here's a list of books to make you cry, make you ugly cry. So people like those like, people do people like to be in their feelings at certain times. And I would say I might even like to be in my feelings at certain times. But it for me, it's a, a specific like I have to be ready for it. Like you said, like I'm like hmm. and I saw this one, too. When I was trying to see, like, okay, TikTok, like, what do you got for me? This one obviously popped up. And I was like, ooh, I don't know if I want to feel those feelings right now. So I didn't even get as far as you did. Because I was like, oof, I know that's going to be sad.
0: Yeah. it It's, I mean, it, the, it's the type of book that, like, it tells you up front, they both die at the yeah. end. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Like, do people do love that? I've had, you know, working libraries, teens come up to me and be like, I want
1: a book that's going to make me cry.
0: And I'm like, okay, <laughs>
1: this book will do it. Yeah. Emo teens. We were all there once at one, at one point. I was oh, there totally. too. Totally. I, I like how, what you mentioned here, one thing I noticed with both of these books. And I guess maybe books in general, it's like you say how, like, if you only had a certain amount of time to live, what would you do? It kind of asks that question. And with the inheritance games, like, there's kind of that question of, like, if you suddenly inherited $40 billion, what would you do with it? And I think that's, like... Um, both of these books have that in common because it's like when I was reading the Inheritance Games, I definitely was like, huh, what I do with, you know, access to all those billions and all those things? Um, so it's interesting. I, I, I definitely feel like people are putting themselves into these stories in a way, if for yeah. you know, with these questions. And that might be what people do with books in general, but I feel like especially these like because yeah. they ask a very specific question because, you know, I've read a lot of books and I don't necessarily put myself in all the books. But with these and I think, too, I haven't read They Both Die at the End. But yeah.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think back to, um, you know, going to date myself here. But I think back <laughs> to on like what books were like insanely popular when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And one author that was incredibly popular was Meg Cabot. And I loved Mm Cabot, And her books, I think, did a similar thing to what you're talking about here, Mm. which is, you know, because she wrote books where it was like sort of wish fulfillment, but it also Mm -hmm. kind of invited the reader into the world of this character and kind of allowed them to think about like, well, what would I do if I found out that it was actually the princess of a small European principality? (laughs) Um, Or what would I do if I inadvertently saved the life of the president and now i was skyrocketed to national fame
1: Um,
0: or what would i do if a movie star showed up in my um high school and was like going undercover and i was the only person who knew about it and i had to like show him around so like Mm -hmm. meg habit was really good at coming up with those really catchy premises where you were like oh what would i do if i was in that situation then you could read about it with the characters so it's interesting to me that now like you know, 15 to 20 years after that initial sort of, you know, my Kevitt's initial sort of coming onto the scene and being really popular, similar, you know, stories or similar premises are being unrolled. So Oh, that's
1: such a good yeah. insight. Yeah, thank you. I was like, oh, wait, I'm like, other books do this. But these books, I feel like it's especially prevalent. So yes. That's just something interesting to think about. Yes. But yes, I feel like I will eventually read They Both Die at the Ends, but I gotta, like, hype myself up. I gotta be in the mood, you know what I yes. mean? Whew. All right. So the next one I have is Iron Widow by Sharon J. Zhao. And this is, like, this is, like, my, I don't know, like, fire, fire, fire upon them kind of book because it takes place in this world where... Um, basically the people are trying to fight these like giant bug, like alien things that fly around and they have this like wild, crazy power and they built, people built these, uh, war machine called chrysalises, which also sounds like a chrysalis, which is what butterflies go into, but side note on that. And they take the shape of like these mythical animals and the machines are powered by the like life force kind of of the pilots, and so they each machine has two pilots: female pilot and the male pilot, and they bring both. They both bring different energy to it. The problem is, though, <laughs> that oftentimes the. Using this system, the female pilot gets basically used up, which is a very obvious metaphor for society, clearly, right? Sexism, patriarchal Mm -hmm. society, blah, blah, blah. And so people are fine with that. They call the women pilots concubine pilots. And so, okay, now we have 18-year-old Zetian who has signed up to be a concubine pilot because she wants to exact revenge against the pilot who killed her sister, who basically used her sister up and now her sister has passed away. So, and she does and no one sees it coming. She, you know, signs up to be a pilot with this guy who used to pilot with her sister and he ends up being the one who dies through the psychic link that connects the pilots um, and she comes out unscathed. So she is labeled an Iron Widow, which is like, oh my gosh, you know, a woman that survived our terrible uh, piloting system, whatever. And so now um, they kind of want to kind of keep her in her place. So they pair her up with a, another male pilot named Lee Shimin And he they're thinking like, you know, he can kind of keep her in check, but... Obviously, he can't. Um, but he is his own force. So she basically is trying to survive these freaking big old bugs and also patriarchy. There's, there's a love interest. There obviously is, um, a lot of sexism. So, I mean, clearly it's queer, it's feminist. It's like the world building is super on point. Little polyamory, you know, little, little this and that. So I also, I should say the author promised, I think they promised like if their book, I, I forgot what the promise was, like either if the book, if they got a book published or if it reached bestseller list, whatever. Um, They promised to take their official author photo in a cow suit. And so they did their official author photo photo there in a cow suit with red lipstick so I just thought I would I think they made a TikTok about that I thought I would mention that
0: yes <laughs> yes and Sharon also does a lot of content on TikTok and yes they did a lot of content on TikTok before the book released yep. so they definitely were one of the early um, adopters of TikTok and seemed to know how to use the platform really well and I think that also kind of helped with, you know, just having that book be very popular on TikTok because they were definitely a big TikTok user at least a year before their book even came out. So, And I mean, like, I'm not saying like, oh, that's the only reason why it's popular, because obviously it's a great book and it has amazing elements that people are really excited about. But I think that like that's kind of part of the equation as well.
1: No, I definitely, I definitely think so. And of course, like if the book sucked, people would be like, oh, whatever, your videos yeah. or whatever. But I think it's a combination of the book being good, being interesting, and the fact that the author was on TikTok and already had amassed a following. Yeah, all those things. Yes, all those good things. But yes, definitely pick that up.
0: So, yeah, obviously, I mean, we can't talk about every single book that's really popular on TikTok. And yeah. I think it is ever evolving as well, mm-hmm. because trends come and go, things change. But um, I'm, I'm just going to drop a link to one of the posts that we have on Book Riot that's like 10 of the most popular YA books on TikTok right now. Uh, the books that we mentioned are some on there. so But there's other ones, too, that are great that you can also check out as well.
1: I should also say TikTok actually started a book club. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think we did a post on that, a brief like introduction. So I'll drop the link for that as well. Um, So, yeah, you know, basically capital. And it makes sense because there there are different um, book clubs popping up all over the Internet, which, you know, you love to see it. Because I know at one point people were like, oh, people are reading books. Books are dying, blah, 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 whatever. And it's like, actually, no, yeah. sis, like <laughs> books are thriving. Where, where have you been? So TikTok started a book club. So that's really cool. And I love, you know, you love to see it. So I'm going to drop that too. Yeah, there's so many great books. And I thought that
0: this was a fun experiment because it did kind of force me to pick up something that... I- you know, I've been kind of thinking like, oh, I should read that because it's so popular. And, in, you know, with the Inheritance Games, I'm so happy that I finally had an excuse to pick it yes. up because so I'm really enjoying it. But yeah. they both die at the end. Now I know how emotional it is so I can be prepared yeah. if I want to finish it. So but I it did kind of give you a little interesting insight into like what is popular on TikTok. And yeah. at the same time, it also made me think like, oh, you know what? It's OK if I'm reading things that are not like TikTok famous because yeah. there's also a lot of other great stuff that doesn't get the TikTok fame. And yeah, I mean, there's so many books. I guess that's my conclusion. There are so many books. Yeah,
1: there's so <laughs> many. In conclusion, so many books. So little time. I also did like this um experiment. I'm glad we, I'm also glad, I'm glad we both seemed like we like the same book because it did force me to finally like get into TikTok and focus, which helps. And I think... I'm like, okay, TikTok has good taste. Now, there were other, I mean, of the books that TikTok found interesting, I chose the ones that m- appealed to me more. So as you said, tears, are there are other books that I didn't read because I was just like, oh, these books, I think I would like them more than those other ones. But um yeah, it, it was an interesting insight. And it's cool. It's It can be kind of an interesting experience to read what a lot of other people are reading because then right there you have people to discuss it with. So that's cool
0: exactly yeah it was fun i mean i'm glad we did this yeah yeah i think it was cute yeah all right well thank you as always for being my co-partner in reading ya adventures this is fun (laughs) always fun yeah and thank you so much to everybody who tuned in this week um you can always leave us feedback about the show on apple podcasts or spotify let us know how we're doing and it helps others to find us as well. You can also always email us at heyya at bookriot.com with suggestions, feedback, um, even your own reading requests. We'd love to do a reader request show sometime. Um, so get them into us. And finally, don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts, and all things bookish. Thanks again to today's sponsors and thanks to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I hang out at at tears of price. Um, I'm also on TikTok, but like not really. So, but all my <laughs> handles are the same. <laughs> Erica, how about you?
1: I'm on Twitter at Erica underscore EZE underscore. I don't even remember my TikTok handle. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's like, it's fine. If you send me stuff on TikTok, I won't see it for three weeks. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're there.
1: Basically,
0: yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in and we will catch you again in two weeks. Happy reading. Happy reading.